Chapter Seventeen of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas. The translator is unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Timmerman Vaughan. Chapter Seventeen, The Bucket. We have endeavored to give an idea in the last chapter of the interest and enthusiasm which drew such crowds of people to see Monsieur Mesmer perform publicly his wonderful experiments. The king, as we know, had given permission to the queen to go and see what all Paris was talking of, accompanied by one of the princesses. It was two days after the visit of Monsieur de Rouen to the countess. The weather was fine and the thaw was complete, and hundreds of sweepers were employed in cleaning away the snow from the streets. The clear blue sky was just beginning to be illumined by its first stars, when Madame de la Motte, elegantly dressed, and presenting every appearance of opulence, arrived in a coach, which Clotilde had carefully chosen as the best-looking at the Place Vendôme, and stopped before a brilliantly lighted house. It was that of Dr. Mesmer. Numbers of other carriages were waiting at the door, and a crowd of people had collected to see the patients arrive and depart, who seemed to derive much pleasure when they saw some rich invalid, enveloped in furs and satins, carried in by footmen, from the evident proof it afforded that God made men healthy or unhealthy, without reference to their purses or their genealogies. A universal murmur would arise when they recognized some duke, paralyzed in an armor leg, or some marshal whose feet refused their office, less in consequence of military fatigues and marches than from halts made with the ladies of the opera, or of the comédie italienne. Sometimes it was a lady carried in by her servants, with drooping head and languid eye, who, weakened by late hours and an irregular life, came to demand from Dr. Mesmer the health she had vainly sought to regain elsewhere. Many of these ladies were as well known as the gentlemen, but a great many escaped the public gaze, especially on this evening, by wearing masks, for there was a ball at the opera that night, and many of them intended to drive straight there when they left the doctor's house. Through this crowd, Madame de la Motte walked, erect and firm, also with a mask on, and elicited only the exclamation, This one does not look ill at all events. Ever since the cardinal's visit, the attention with which he had examined the box and portrait had been on Jeanne's mind, and she could not but feel that all his graciousness commenced after seeing it, and she therefore felt proportionate curiosity to learn more about it. First she had gone to Versailles to inquire at all the houses of charity about German ladies, but there were there, perhaps, a hundred and fifty or two hundred, and all Jean's inquiries about the two ladies who had visited her had proved fruitless. In vain she repeated that one of them was called André. No one knew a German lady of that name, which indeed was not German. Baffled in this, she determined to try elsewhere, and having heard much of Monsieur Mesmer, and the wonderful secrets revealed through him, determined upon going there. Many were the stories of this kind in circulation. Madame de Durat had recovered a child who had been lost. Madame de Chantouy, an English dog, not much bigger than her fist, for which she would have given all the children in the world. And Monsieur de Vandreuil, a lock of hair, which he would have bought back with half his fortune. All these revelations had been made by clairvoyance after the magnetic operations of Dr. Mesmer. Those who came to see him, after traversing the antechambers, were admitted into a large room, from which the darkened and hermetically closed windows excluded light and air. In the middle of this room, under a luster which gave but a feeble light, was a vast, unornamented tank, filled with water impregnated with sulphur, and to the cover of which was fastened an iron ring. Attached to this ring was a long chain, the object of which we shall see presently. All the patients were seated round the room, men and women indiscriminately. Then a valet, taking the chain, 
wound it round the limbs of the patients so that they might all feel at the same time the effects of the electricity contained in the tank they were then directed to touch each other in some way either by the shoulder the elbow or the feet and each was to take in his hand a bar of iron which was also connected with the tank and to place it to the heart head or whatever was the seat of the malady when they were already a soft and pleasing strain of music executed by invisible performers was heard among the most eager of the crowd on the evening of which we speak was a young distinguished-looking and beautiful woman with a graceful figure and rather showily dressed who pressed the iron to her heart with wonderful energy rolling her beautiful eyes and beginning to show in the trembling of her hands the first effects of the electric fluid as she constantly threw back her head resting it on the cushions of her chair all around could see perfectly her pale but beautiful face and her white throat many seemed to look at her with great astonishment and a general whispering commenced among those who surrounded her madame lamont was one of the most curious of the party and of all she saw around her nothing attracted her attention so much as this young lady and after gazing earnestly at her for some time at last she murmured oh it is she there is no doubt it is the lady who came to see me the other day and convinced that she was not mistaken she advanced towards her congratulating herself that chance had effected for her what she had so long been vainly trying to accomplish but at this moment the young lady closed her eyes contracted her mouth and began to beat the air feebly with her hands which hands however did not seem to jeanne the white and beautiful ones she had seen in her room a few days before the patients now began to grow excited under the influence of the fluid men and women began to utter sighs and even cries moving convulsively their heads arms and legs then a man suddenly made his appearance no one had seen him enter you might have fancied he came out of the tank he was dressed in a lilac robe and held in his hand a long wand which he several times dipped into the mysterious tank then he made a sign the doors opened and twenty robust servants entered and seizing such of the patients as began to totter on their seats carried them into an adjoining room while this was going on madame de la motte heard a man who had approached near to the young lady before mentioned and who was in a perfect paroxysm of excitement say in a loud voice it is surely she jean was about to ask him who she was when her attention was drawn to two ladies who had just entered followed by a man who though disguised as a bourgeois had still the appearance of a servant the tournure of one of these ladies struck jeanne so forcibly that she made a step towards them when a cry from the young woman near her startled every one the same man whom jeanne had heard speak before now called out but look gentlemen it is the queen the queen cried many voices in surprise the queen here the queen in that state impossible but look said he again do you know the queen or not indeed said many the resemblance is incredible monsieur said jeanne to the speaker who was a stout man with quick observant eyes did you say the queen oh madame there is no doubt of it and where is she why that young lady that you see there on the violet cushions and in such a state that she cannot moderate her transports is the queen but on what do you found such an idea monsieur simply because it is the queen and he left jeanne to go and spread his news among the rest she turned from the almost revolting spectacle and going near to the door found herself face to face with the two ladies she had seen enter scarcely had she seen the elder one than she uttered a cry of surprise what is the matter asked the lady jeanne took off her mask and asked do you recognize me madame the lady made but quickly suppressed a movement of surprise and said no madame well madame i recognize you and will give you a proof 
and she drew the box from her pocket, saying, You left this at my house. But supposing this to be true, what makes you so agitated? I am agitated by the danger that your majesty is incurring here. Explain yourself. Not before you have put on this mask. And she offered hers to the queen, who, however, did not take it. I beg your majesty there is not an instant to lose. The queen put on the mask. And now pray come away, added Jeanne. But why? said the queen. Your majesty has not been seen by anyone? I believe not. So much the better. The queen mechanically moved to the door, but said again, Will you explain yourself? Will not your majesty believe your humble servant for the present, that you were running a great risk? But what risk? I will have the honor to tell your majesty whenever you will grant me an hour's audience, but it would take too long now. And seeing that the queen looked displeased, Pray, madame, said she, turning to the princess Lamballe, join your petitions to mine that the queen should leave this place immediately. I think we had better, madame, said the princess. Well, then, I will, answered the queen. Then, turning to madame de la Motte, you ask for an audience, she said. I beg for that honor that I may explain this conduct to your majesty. Well, bring this box with you, and you will be admitted. Laurent, the porter, shall have orders to do so. Then, going into the street, she called in German, Come and see da Weber. A carriage immediately drove up. They got in, and were immediately out of sight. When they were gone, Madame de la Motte said to herself, I have done right in this, for the rest I must consider. End of chapter 17